listening to KHOL. This is Jackson Unpacked, our weekly show featuring reporting and interviews on local news, music, and culture. I'm news director Kyle Mackey. As a reminder, new episodes of Jackson Unpacked will now be hitting your podcast feeds on Fridays. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to support Jackson's only nonprofit newsroom. Coming up on today's show, a new survey of Colorado mountain towns shows that the pandemic era housing crunch isn't likely to go away anytime soon. When they're competing with these folks coming in, it's a different game. Plus, a look at the health dangers of wildfire smoke and advice for how to cope. We can live with fire. It's just kind of a matter of shifting our behavior and physical environment around us. But first, we dive into a complicated question animating dinner parties and public meetings alike throughout Teton Valley and Jackson Hole. How much should the gi grow? The proposed expansion of Grand Targhee Resort in Alta, Wyoming, which is accessible only through Idaho, has raised concerns among many local residents. It also prompted Teton County, Idaho commissioners to ask their Wyoming counterparts to fund a study of the potential impacts of the development. KHOL's Kyle Mackey reports ahead of a planned meeting between the two county commissions on Monday. Ann Callison cherishes living in what she describes as the quiet end of the quiet side of the Tetons. The house she and her husband built in Teutonia about 13 years ago overlooks sage fields and a neighboring ranch. Lord knows I'm getting arthritis in my hands from gardening and weeding, and but that's okay because we love it. Lately, though... Callison's started to worry that the days of quiet in Teton Valley are numbered. We don't want to be Jackson, and we don't want to be Sun Valley. We don't want this to be a destination resort, nor should it be a destination resort. She's talking about Grand Targhee, which is hoping to expand significantly in the coming years, possibly to the tune of doubling its daily number of skiers and snowboarders. The resort wants to add five new lifts, two on-mountain restaurants, a permanent snow tubing facility, and more. All of that is now under review by the Caribou Targi National Forest. It is a larger ask than typically uh, you would see in that they usually just ask for a lift at one time. Jay Pence has been the Teton Basin District Ranger for the forest since 2001. He says Grand Targi has submitted multiple so-called master development plans over the years, but never asked to implement so many proposed projects at once. That means it's taking a lot of manpower to work on the Environmental Impact Statement, or EIS. The Forest Service has a third-party contractor doing most of the work, but both Teton County, Wyoming, and Idaho are cooperating agencies. So typically, what we worry more about watershed health and vegetation and public safety. In this process, we've expanded that into you know, avalanche hazards, obviously. We do have our social economic section in this document, and that's what the counties are primarily working with us on. Still, the Idaho commissioners aren't convinced that the Forest Service's socioeconomic analysis will be sufficient. That's because there's also commercial and residential development planned for the private land at the base of Targhee, which falls under the jurisdiction of Teton County, Wyoming, and not the National Forest. Cindy Regal is board chair of the Teton County, Idaho commissioners. No one's looking at the big picture. Taking those two kind of long-range plans for resort development and looking at the impact on our community. 
So in late June, Regal and her fellow commissioners sent a letter to their Wyoming peers detailing their widespread concerns about the impact the Targhee developments could have on transportation, housing, public services, and overall quality of life in Teton Valley. They also asked Teton County, Wyoming, to fund a socioeconomic impact study. We think this is going to have a major impact, but where's the data to prove it? You know, is that true or is it not? Like, what is the impact exactly going to be on our roads and our traffic and our housing and, you know, our scenic views from Teton Canyon? What is the impact actually going to be? Regal and other Teton Valley residents like Callison, who's been helping organize resistance to the expansion, worry that Wyoming will reap the benefits from increased property and sales tax at the resort, while Idaho will bear most of the costs. There's also frustration about a perceived lack of transparency about Targhee's proposal and the Forest Service's review process. Penn says that's out of his control. We encouraged the resort to have some public scoping meetings before we entered the formal process. Um, That didn't occur. And so we're going forward with a public process uh, following our regulations. Grand Targhee owner and general manager Jordy Gillette declined an interview request for this story. The Forest Service held two virtual public meetings last September during its initial scoping period, but those may not have worked for everyone. Howie Garber of Driggs is another vocal opponent of the expansion. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, some older folks like me didn't even know how to get into a Zoom meeting. And so, you know, I felt like even though we had 380 people write letters during the scoping, some people felt cheated. Pence says the next best time for public feedback will likely come around January 2022, when he expects a draft EIS to be ready. I think my biggest thing that I'd like to have the public know is that, you know, it's it's a process that we're going through and that all of the concerns that they're currently spreading around the the valley, honestly, their best opportunity to re-engage the Forest Service on those is during that draft comment period. Regal says she encourages Teton Valley residents to stay informed about the process and encourages folks to write to her commission anytime. She's also hopeful about collaborating with Teton County, Wyoming commissioners like Mark Newcomb, who says he thinks the fear some Idahoans are feeling is valid. I think that the level of visitation and tourism and demand for ski resort services has reached a level that few of us ever imagined it would. And if we could do some analytical work to put some valid numbers and figures and estimates behind the impacts that people are are fearful of would be really helpful. And I would be in favor of that. Members of the Teton County, Wyoming and Idaho boards of county commissioners will meet virtually at 1030 a.m. Monday for a joint work session on the Grand Targhee expansion. Kyle Mackey, KHOL News. The COVID-19 pandemic led to numerous changes in mountain towns across the West. 
From an influx of remote workers to skyrocketing real estate prices, local governments have been struggling with how to address rapidly shifting demographics and accelerating housing crises in their communities. And now, as a new report from Colorado shows, many pandemic-era changes are likely here to stay. KHOL's Will Walkie has more. John Stavney lives in Eagle County, Colorado, home of Vail and Beaver Creek. He served on town boards and was a county commissioner there. But recently, he's taken on a new position. Executive director of the Northwest Colorado Council of Governments. It's a mouthful. Um, But we represent local governments. Stavney's job is to communicate with several resort communities similar to Jackson Hole, like Aspen and Breckenridge. He also took on a new task this year, documenting changes that have occurred in those areas since the outbreak of the pandemic in March 2020. I think when COVID first hit, a lot of our communities thought, well, interesting, we're going to have the place to ourselves, right? Like the 2008 financial crisis. Um, you know, the housing prices may go down and people are just not going to want to be here. Well, it turns out people have a lot of options when it comes to isolation. Stavney started hearing anecdotes from county commissioners about visitors coming to mountain towns and staying longer and demanding different services than most locals. So he talked with real estate agents, conducted surveys, and crunched the numbers to get a fuller picture of just how much the pandemic is affecting mountain towns in six Colorado counties. His research culminated in the 70-page Mountain Migration Report, And what Stavney and his partners found is that many communities are undergoing accelerated changes unlike anything seen over the past decade, especially when it comes to housing. So there's a sense among some locals that the housing issue is just the same as it ever was, right? One of the things that we found out is, um, yes, but that's not quite the case. For example, many new residents and part-timers are entering the rental market rather than purchasing real estate. That's raised the average price of some apartments and townhomes by anywhere from 20 to 40 percent. We think of renters as being somebody who's going to be there for a year or more, which is probably somebody who's going to probably have a local job. Well, many of them have work that's attached somewhere else. 60 percent of new residents that moved during the pandemic to the Colorado area studied work for an employer located outside their resident county, compared to just a quarter of the local population in those places. 70 percent of those same newcomers also make over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Lo and behold, no, the, the, the people that also need to help are, are nurses and doctors and people earning what locally looks like a lot of money. But when they're competing with these folks uh, coming in, it's a different game. Stavney says he's been aware of these trends for a long time. But like so many shifts across the U.S. last year, COVID accelerated and cemented them. Real estate, for example, is poised to remain on a bull run. And part-time residents, who represent a big part of those surveyed communities, are also doing things differently. You know, they're not visitors in the classic visitor sense. They're really seeing themselves as residents of the community, right? We, In a couple of years, a a large number of these people potentially are going to be long-term people, and they migrated and stayed. Part-time residents will spend 30% more time in their vacation home over the next few years, according to the report. That's good in some ways for local tax collectors, nonprofits, construction workers, and more. But it also makes it harder for local workers to find a place to live. Workers are people. They come with families. They need a place to be. You can't just stack them up like cordwood. 18% of surveyed renters said they saw their monthly rates go up in 2020, and 31% expressed having severe difficulty securing housing. 
Stavney says he hopes local officials see his report and realize they need to take radical action. They're going to have to make some changes in policy and in some cases, I think, aggressively pursuing even more than they have before housing, you know, and and whatever form that takes. They're going to have to shake the tree more than they have before. Stavney also says that's sure to meet healthy resistance from people who suddenly have to live in denser neighborhoods or have their views obstructed. They are special places, and there's a reason that many of us who are in these places have gravitated here. You know, change uh, needs to respect that. But change also needs to respect the needs of both newcomers and local workers. Stavney says that's going to take courage from electeds to be bold and think outside the box. I think all that incremental stuff is, is good, but it's not going to address this. Mayors and county commissioners across the West have already started referencing the Mountain Migration Report, partially to signal how quickly their communities are shifting and in what ways, and partially to show other mountain towns you're not alone. Milwaukee, KHOL News. You're listening to Jackson Unpacked on KHOL. I'm News Director Kyle Mackey, and this is our weekly show featuring reporting and interviews on local and regional news, music, and culture. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked are now available on Fridays on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up next is a regional story that comes to KHOL through the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Collaborative. As evidenced by the hazy skies over the Tetons this week, the American West is already in the thick of a record-breaking wildfire season. Public health reporter Tay Glass of KSJD in southwest Colorado reports on the dangers of wildfire smoke and how to mitigate its negative health effects. This story originally aired on June 10th. Alex Graff works as the Montezuma County Coordinator for Wildlife Adapted Partnership. He frequently does free site assessments, basically to see how safe your property is from wildfires. On Tuesday, Alex did a mock assessment of his own property. And it's a smoky day outside. Can't smell the smoke, but you can barely see the mountains, and that's blowing in from Arizona. And it is my hope that this smoke that um, will kind of remind people that, oh yeah, it is fire season and I've got to do some work here. Two wildfires in Arizona caused a cloud of smoke to sweep across southwest Colorado earlier this week. Graf is an expert at fire mitigation, but he grew up in New York State, where things like flooding were more of a concern than drought or wildfire. And I got a a big wake-up call living out here in 2018 with the 416 fire. Graf was close to the 416 fire the day it started. And I was kind of just across the road and heard there was smoke down south of us a bit. Shortly after, heard the highway was cut off. It was just a total disruption as to kind of everyday life. A large part of western Colorado and the neighboring states are in exceptional drought, the most severe category, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. Some are dubbing it a mega drought. And it's no surprise that these hot, dry conditions provide perfect fuel for wildfire. But more so than the fires themselves, the smoke they produce is nebulous and far-reaching. 
but you know when you start talking about smoke we're talking about hundreds, even thousands of miles away from where the fire actually is. That's Scott Landis. He supervises the prescribed fire unit for the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. One big risk factor for smoke is the size of the particles. The particulate matter from wildfire smoke is microscopic, 40 times smaller than a human hair. So that, that goes to show you just how tiny these particles are and how they can get lodged in your respiratory system. The tiny smoke particles Landis is talking about are called PM2.5. The risk these particles pose for people with respiratory issues is well known. But also for folks who have uh, issues with their heart, uh, a, a lot of times this PM2.5 not only gets into your respiratory system, but also gets into your bloodstream. Landis has some recommendations for dealing with wildfire smoke. Are things like those N95 masks useful anymore? They are. The N95 masks can help you, certainly, with PM2.5. Now, a lot of us have also been using different kinds of masks, just the regular cloth masks. They are not going to help you with wildfire smoke. Landis recommends that people should put an air purifier in one room of their house. It'll serve as a clean air room if air quality gets particularly bad. The smoke from Arizona earlier this week was a warning sign for Matt Sheether. He's the wildland coordinator for the Cortez Fire Protection District. Does it feel sort of like the calm before the storm? Yeah, it is that calm before the storm, because once it starts, I don't, you know, we, we might have a long summer, and it could happen all at once or not at all, but I am definitely planning on it being busy, and that's not just in our, in our county or in our, our state, that's across the U.S., Sheether urges community members to call dispatch if they plan on burning even a small fire. If there's a fire ban, you know, just please respect it and, you know, it's for your neighbors and for your community. Community is a big thing for Sheether. Cortez is his hometown. So when he saw the chance to build a wildland fire program in the city, he jumped at the opportunity. And it's also protecting your neighbor's property. You know, it's kind of that community community risk reduction that we all work together. Alex Graff knows the risk of wildfires, but he also recognizes that they're here to stay, a natural and important part of life in the Four Corners. All of this wildfire preparedness is trying to move southwest Colorado closer to the direction of a fire-adapted community. And the goal of a fire-adapted community is this idea that we can live with fire. It's just kind of a matter of shifting our behavior and physical environment around us. According to Graf, living in the Four Corners means living alongside smoke and fire. But if you're careful, hopefully not too close. From KSJD and Cortez, I'm Tay Glass. We're going to end today's show with a rebroadcast of a recent live performance at the KHOL studios. Blues musician Jackie Green stopped by on June 29th, just ahead of his band's show at the Center for the Arts. Here's Green's recently released song, Recession Proof. You're listening to 89.1 KHOL. We are live. We're here with Jackie Green and Nate Dale. They're playing at the Center for the Arts tonight and tomorrow night. So enjoy it. So come on out and buy our tickets, will ya? <laughs> Might play a little drums on that yep. thing. There you go. 
you can't scare me with the news. I don't tend to fall into no particular point of view. I get up most every morning, wash my face and comb my hair. Try my best to make some sense of that crazy world out there. But if you want to know the truth, hearts like mine were built recession proof. I'm drinking from the fountain of youth. Everybody's got the plan From the teenage prima donna To the politician man Well, they do it for my safety You know, they do it for my health But how they gonna save me They can't even save themselves They line them up And tell the truth Hearts like ours Were built recession-proof Drinking from the fountain of you Ain't no one got time to hear a whining billionaire We ain't looking for a handout We know nothing comes for free Well, y'all can keep your politics We'll keep our dignity Line them up and tell the truth Hearts like ours were built recession-proof Swimming in the fountain of youth That's the first yeah. time on the radio ever. Nice. That one. You guys got the exclusive, baby. <laughs> the rare cut. The rare cut. Nice. That's it for today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is by the local band Strumbucket. Subscribe now to Jackson Unpacked on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to get a new episode in your feed every Friday. You can also tune in for the show on the radio on Mondays and Fridays at 7.30 a.m., Sundays at 12.30 p.m., or Tuesdays at 3 p.m. We'll be back after a midsummer break next week. I'm Kyle Mackey, and this is KHOL Jackson.